FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening here on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And Lawson, this morning, we're going to give a big shout out to all our listeners on Bruni Island. Just all of them. Actually, you know, people listening to the Bruni Island transmitter, I've been to that transmitter. It's oh, a very okay. cool transmitter. Well, okay, okay. Wait, hold on, hold on, are actually hold on. channel listeners. I, I don't know where Bruni Island is. You don't? You... you I don't. I, 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 I'm Shell doesn't know either. She's shaking her head. Shell's been there a heap of times. She knows where it is. <laughs> She's like, have I? Wait, what? No, where is Bruni Island? Bruni Island? Where is... Reminds me of like Brunei or something, but Bruni Island. Where is that? Bruni Island. I bet it is in Tasmania. Of course it's in Tasmania. Nah, that's why no one knows. <laughs> that's why. Like... It's off the south coast of Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, shout out Bruni it's separated Island. from the Tasmanian mainland by the Don De Castro Channel. It is one of the most beautiful places in the world. The transmitter that is there broadcasts back onto the mainland of Tasmania wow. across the channel. So a special welcome to our channel listeners. Ah. Uh, it is, and, and, you know, obviously you can listen to it in places on Bruni Island, but it's mostly for the, the channel area. And it's just a fantastic place to visit. I, I, couldn't even, I couldn't even think how many times I've been to Bruni Island. It's such a beautiful waterway. Wow. Yeah, it's just stunning. So if you're listening on the channel this morning or on Bruni Island, give us a call. Let us know. Special shout-out also to those listening from Stanley in Tasmania on 88 and Success Western Australia on 87.6. Wow, it's a tab that's coming up. Success. Yeah, that's a pretty unique one as well. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Someone, one of our listeners from Tasmania, to call in this morning and just inform Lawson of how ignorant he is. It's not just me. It's I'm, I'm dragging producer Shell under the bus with me as well. She didn't know where I was, and she's married to someone from Tasmania. She briefly forgot. <laughs> we're going to talk about the climate this morning, and we're also going to talk about the fastest growing religion in the UAE this morning. We haven't talked about what we're thankful for yet. No, we haven't. You can start. August. Okay. It's just the last month of winter. Uh huh. Which means that soon we will be in spring and winter will be over. Uh-huh. And when we are in spring, then that means that soon summer is coming. <laughs> hey, look, we're really we're really reaching with our with, with the blessings. Nah, morning, the year but... has turned. It's turned. <laughs> it's turned. It has before I get into what I'm grateful for, I'm gonna do a question for the quiz. Okay. Here we go. The book of John starts with the same three words as what other book of the Bible? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you will go into the draw to firstly win this incredible, great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation Bible study journal. So it's got the books in there and then underneath, like, you know, if you've seen like a wide margin Bible before, this is like just taking those prophetic books and not making them wide margin, but then having like all this space for notes underneath. So you can go through and read and understand and write down notes. But furthermore, to give you, to enable you to be able to write those notes, we're giving away, we've got this resource here. It's called Understanding Daniel and Revelation by Mark Finley, incredible um, expositor and amazing book right here. Um, But we can give it to you either in the book form, which some people like, or the audiobook form, which other people like. So, so, so you, you will get like a journal where you can take notes on the books of Daniel and Revelation 
right under the books of general and revelation. And then you get a commentary that you'll be able to compare to and make your way through and get all these notes. You will become your own theologian, which we should all be. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call a text. And again, that question was the book of John starts with the same three words as what other book in the Bible? Fantastic. Awesome stuff. Well, let's have some positively different news this morning. Positively different news. I had Lyle. The mm. best weekend. No, you The didn't. best weekend no. that anyone has ever had, ever. No, you didn't. What, what did you do on the weekend? Well, I might, might not have done as many fancy no, things. No, get lost. You. No, I, I had the best weekend that anyone has ever had, ever. I went down to the snow. Actually, let me tell you what I did on okay, the Okay, what did you do? I spent the night throwing up. Wow. Okay, Lyle. Fantastic. Look, look, look at this guy having great weekends. Well, I didn't do that at all. I went down to the snow and I went snowboarding. And well, I went down there for a camp called Shred It, which is yes. a young adults youth camp where we all stay in these big, like, village, alpine village thing on the hill and hang out and eat food and listen to the word of God and spend time together, which was amazing. I went down with a crew go of... snowboarding. Yeah, yeah, and then go snowboarding. Mm-hmm. I went down with a crew of four people. Shout out Joy and Donetta and Roger. We all went down in the car <coughs> and uh, hung out down there. And then we went snowboarding on Saturday night. And that was like epic. There was like fireworks going off while we were flying down the hills. and That's cool. All this stuff. Isn't fireworks kind of the opposite thing you have, want to have when you've got snow? It's like melt the snow. No, no, because they're like going up high in the air. But it's actually, they weren't going up that high in the air and you could smell like all the gunpowder like flowing oh, down the hill. Nothing like was, the smell of gunpowder in the morning. Epi- but it was sick. Like we, we got videos and everything like going down the hill while the fireworks are going off behind us. Like, That's amazing. like it only happens once at like 7 p.m. But like, oh, it was so epic. And then the next day, Sunday, we went snowboarding all day. And I just got to say like, okay, so last time I went snowboarding, mm-hmm. I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I went with a group of incredibly experienced people and I didn't do lessons or anything. I, I, we just went to the top of the biggest hill, not the biggest on. hill. And they were just like, all right, Lawson, they say, stand on the board, go for it. And I did. And by the end of that week, because I was trying to follow these guys everywhere they were going and I was just crashing, crashing, crashing. By the end of that week, I'd blown out my knee and dislocated my shoulder and I knocked myself <laughs> out even. I, uh, I, uh, going down the hill, I like slid out and hit my head on a tree root. Luckily I had a helmet on, but I literally knocked myself out on the hill and got concussed. Like I had a gnarly time at it. And so I'm going back. It's been like six years. And I'm like, oh, hopefully, you know, I've done lots of skateboarding, lots of wakeboarding since, but hopefully I can just get back into it. And Oh, but what if I crash, crash, crash? But I just like stood on the board and everything just felt good. And I was like, yeah, it's time. Like this is, this is my time to shine. And I just had the, the, like that was on the, the, the Saturday night. And then the Sunday, the next day, me and my friend Roger, we were just going hill to hill, T-bar to T-bar, lift to lift, just, just snowboarding and just hitting these runs, just having the best time. And it cost me so much money. But I don't want to think about that because <laughs> because it was just amazing. But also, like we spent a considerable amount of time with young adults from all over Australia, uh, getting together. So, <coughs> sorry, that, that that was a little sneeze. Maybe yeah, I, see, uh, this is this is spent too much time in this. Maybe, this is what happens when you get in the snow? I caught see. that on the hill. Actually, on the last day on the Sunday, so we had hung out on on the front valley of Perisher, and then we we're like, oh, let's go to Blue Cow, which is on the other side, and it has like some more kind of gnarly runs, and you can like cut through trees and hit jumps and stuff. We're like, yeah, let's go there, and uh, so we get on the train, go there, and we get out. We ate lunch, and then we come out, and it starts. It's snowing. 
I'm yes. like, okay. What happens at the snow? And then we do a couple of runs, and then all of a sudden this fog moves in, so you can barely see anything. It's like, okay, the visibility is pretty low. And then me and Roger and another guy named Lockie are on the chairlift heading back up to the top of the hill, and it's blizzarding. And it's like 2.30 in the afternoon and we've had an amazing day and we're holding our hands over our face so we don't get smashed with blizzard. And we like get off the chairlift and we all look at each other and it's like, yeah, let's go home. We're done. Yeah, let's go home. We've had an amazing day. But yeah, like outside of the snowboarding, which was obviously great. um, Yeah, there was 90 young adults from all over Australia. What time did you leave the snow? Um, well, we ended up, oh, there's, there's another story about me having to do an hour and a half round trip because someone forgot to return their stuff. Um, but outside of that, we, uh, we essentially like our group before finished up. Like, I know that it was like 2.33 when me and Roger were like, okay, let's pack it in. And we went back to Front Valley where the other two people who were part of our group was. And then they snow, they, we had, they were, they were snowboarding and skiing. They went for like a little bit more. And then they were like, yeah, we'll pack it up too. And we handed all our gear in. That gave us the time to do an hour and a half round trip because someone forgot to return their stuff, which was good. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, we, we got there at like 6.30 in the morning and we went until like That's a decent day. three in the afternoon. I didn't crash. Have you ever tried snow skiing? No, because I'm cool, Lyle. What's wrong with snow skiing? Like, snow skiing is cool like, as well. I don't know if you can do snow, backflips. Snow skiing has been around for like the last two thousand years or more. But it's not. It's just not my thing. I was. I was like, oh, I'm just going to jump on the board. But yeah, no. It was. It was awesome to get together with with people. Um, and we heard some amazing messages too. Very young adult and very apt for people of our age talking about finding purpose in either your occupation or your spirituality or your relationships. How you can can find we talked about this Japanese phrase called phrase called ikigai, which is the idea of like yeah finding your kind of maximal purpose in the things that you do, and yeah it was it was just incredible. I was so 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 blessed. I had the best weekend, and so I just I thought I would talk about it for about eight minutes. Did you have anything to say about snow skiing, or did you just, no, sort I of just keep I, that I to yourself? I just looked it up because I wanted to see how long snow skiing has been around for. Uh huh. How long has it been around for? Since the flood. <laughs> okay. This is what it says here. It literally says it's been around for 5,000 years. Well, that's, you know, 4,500 years takes you back to the flood. Yeah. Uh, originated in China. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to the legendary uh, period of China. So that's um, so snow skiing is, yeah, let me try snowboarding, and that's just going to be like some new upstart thing. That yeah, is- yeah has only just been invented. And- you, know, you know, it's also been around for a long time, like slavery and murder, you know, and just because they've been around for a long time doesn't mean they're better. Modern snowboarding began in 1965. That's right. There you go. With the boys. Getting uh, it done. <laughs> yeah. Nah. It's just lame. Oh, get out, Lyle. Just, you just I've done both. So you've only done one. You don't even know what snow skiing, skiing's like. Yeah, but I don't. I, you know, I don't. I don't need to do drugs to know what they're like. Just to know that I don't want to do them. <laughs> you know. But, hey, if there are any snow skiers out there listening, I'm sorry if I'm offending you. But listen, I'm just. I'm just not about it. Maybe like if you have some. You know what it used to be. You know what snow, snowboarding what? used to be called. I think they should bring this name back. What? What do they call it? Snurfing. Snurfing. Yes. Like snow surfing. Yes. That is so lame. I'm glad that they changed the name. I'm glad that they moved on because 
That's terrible. I think it should come back. I think, yeah, absolutely. Let's call it snurfing. You're not snowboarding. You're snurfing. You're, snur- you're, you're surfing that, on the snow. That sounds All like the is. Smurfs, and it gives me the creeps. Snurfing. <laughs> okay, it still sounds All like right, snurfing. So the long and short is the Lawson had a great weekend, and uh-huh. he was blessed, and he grew closer to God. So that was Amen. Good. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And a couple of text messages coming through for you, Lawson. Karen says that she prefers snow skiing mm-hmm. over snowboarding because when you get off the lift, you can just go. Oh, that's Whereas true. Whereas boarders have to sit down and reattach their board. That's true. Now, you can be an absolute G and just reattach your board while standing up, but I didn't actually do that because it's... <laughs> <laughs> because you're yeah. not. That's actually the scariest part of snowboarding is coming off the lift and you have one foot clipped out and you put it in the middle of the board, and so it's like you're riding like a really short board. And if you like slide out, you've got like no stability. And I, on the first day, so I was like pretty confident to be able to do it, but I got taken out three times getting off the lift by other snowboarders. It was like just <laughs> some of them were my friends, and some of them were randoms, and they just like ran into me because you just got so much less control. So with these no skis, you just stand up and go. Legit, you don't need to clip out. Yeah. You can you can almost like with snow skis, if you don't crash, you can almost do the whole if and if you're just going to the top of the hill to the bottom back into the lift, you can do the whole day without clipping out. Nice. So whereas snowboarding you're kinda fiddling around a little bit. Uh, somebody else says Lawson, we understand. You're too young to appreciate skiing. Ah yeah, someone actually actually Joseph Joseph Scaff who we who we know and love, he was he was there uh sharing the messages with us and he was saying, Oh Lawson, you gotta get into slow, snow skiing. It's the sophisticated man's sport, you know, it's the it's the <laughs> it, you know, like this snowboarding, it's it's childish, but snow skiing, you know, that's that's what you graduate into and I'm like, That's that just sounds geriatric <laughs> to me. I don't wanna I don't wanna be a part of that. All right, let's talk about the quiz. What's our next question? Oh, yeah, our next question for the quiz. Fill in the blank. Who can find a virtuous blank for her price is as far is far above blank? Wow, this is big questions for me. Uh, let's uh, 0491064669 is the number to call or text. I'll just tell you about the prize again. It is the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation, the study journal where it's got the book right there. You can write your notes underneath it. And then you can get the commentaries Understanding Daniel and Revelation by Mark Finley in either a book f- form or an o- audio form. You can get either one. You'll get it for free provided you win the draw at the end of the week. But again, that question was who can find a virtuous blank for her price is far above blank big questions being asked in this year this morning zero four nine one zero six four six six nine if you know the answer you know the number to call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine talking about the climate and as Lawson oh, yeah. goes down there snow skiing has uh what's the season been like this year so i don't really know i went there there one day, like it was, it was sunny, and that's when we went at nighttime. It was like clear, and the next day it blizzarded. Okay. It blizzarded. So, well, Australia's been hit four times this year with one in a hundred year floods. One of that's right. A one in a thousand, and one in a two thousand year floods. We don't really know because that's kind of hard to actually uh, estimate. Bangladesh has been smashed by floods. It's not unusual for Bangladesh to be smashed by floods, but it is highly unusual for Bangladesh to be smashed at the level that it has been mm. smashed. Uh, Kentucky is just in the middle of 100, one in 100 year floods. And of course, well, they've got 35 people dead there. Wow. So that's pretty severe for Kentucky. 
uh, it's pretty severe for anywhere, really, particularly in a developed country. Yeah, 35 people in a place like Kentucky. Yes. That is gnarly. That's terrible. Really nasty floods going through there. Of course, you've got the UK being smashed by a heat wave. Uh, yeah. You've, down there in Kentucky, you've got 12,000 households without electricity and over 44,000 households without sanitary drinking water mm. and not likely to have any in the near future because it's just all full of... Mud. So signs of the times being fulfilled around us right there. The Bible tells us to expect climate change at the end of time, and, well, that's what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing our world being destroyed. Okay, so this is an interesting story about one of the fastest-growing religions in the Persian Gulf. Oh, wow. Okay, so, you know, you're talking about your uh, countries like the UAE, Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, etc. Mm-hmm. What do you think one of the fastest growing religions over there would be? Uh, mm. so, so you're looking at a place Protestantism, really? Yes. So you're looking at a place that is the majority like Islamic. Oh yeah, absolutely, hardcore but, Islamic. But uh, like, well, you've got states like Saudi Arabia and whatnot that are definitely. Yes. You and know, you are not allowed to proselytize in these countries. You are not allowed to do evangelism. You're not allowed to tell people about Jesus in these countries. Mm, you have. Other of those countries that are a little bit looser, though, like we're talking about the UAE, Dubai, like, you know, there are churches there. But It's interesting when you go to some of these countries where you're only allowed to buy alcohol if you're a Christian. Yeah, that's actually bizarre. That's so funny. It's like really weird if you're an atheist. No, you can't have alcohol. Why do you need alcohol? Oh, you're a Christian. You need it to have communion. That's just weird. Yeah, but like they're all like... I've been to Dubai. I went to Dubai when I was a motorbike racer, and there are lots of people drinking alcohol. Let's just, let's just say yeah. it, it, is, it is like it is party city, and in fact, it's a big industry over there because they charge so much for it. Yes, because because of the fact that people don't it's drink. Kind it. of restricted. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of restricted. Yeah. Well, I said people don't drink it. People do drink it, but they just don't tell anyone that they drink it. It's yeah, because they're coming from Saudi Arabia, do their gambling, have their drinking. Go see, you know, the people they go see and That's then right. go back to Saudi Arabia. And then, yeah, go be religious over there. My landlord used to, very good friend of mine, I used to be my landlord and uh, lived virtually next door and we used to spend a lot of time together. He was he worked in Saudi Arabia for mm. 10 years and he used to talk about how that um, whenever the Saudis wanted to party, they'd just go across the border. That's right. Yes. That'd be, yeah, but anyway. But evangelical so, Protestantism. Is evangelical Protestantism is one of the fastest growing religions in these countries. And the reason that it is is because you've got 30 million migrant workers. Yeah. I mean, these are countries that are full of people from India, people from the Philippines. Yeah. Places like that. And uh, their population is actually exploding. In some of those Gulf states, migrants are actually the majority of the population. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that I met at university. He is Filipino, has a Filipino accent. His family is from the Philippines, but his dad is a pilot for one of the, you know, one of the flight companies that are, resides in those areas. Mm-hmm. And he's Christian. And he went to a Filipino school over there and went to church in, I think he was, he was in Saudi. Yep. <laughs> he's like, he went to a Filipino church. Yeah. In Saudi. It's yes. crazy. And so, uh, so, so you've got majority of these. Some of these countries are uh, migrants. Eighty mm. percent of them are employed in hospitality, domestic jobs, and construction. 
Mm. Those, those three areas right there. And basically what the churches have been able to do, because you're not allowed to go out and you know do the kind of thing that you do, Lawson, and mm. reach out to people and share Jesus with them, mm. what they've done is that they've provided help for financial hardship, exploitation, domestic servitude, and sexual abuse, because these things actually run very, very high in these countries. Mm. And so you've got people who will travel from a very undeveloped country like the Philippines or uh, India, somewhere like that. They're looking for a better life. They're traveling to a very wealthy country, a fabulously wealthy country because of the Mm. oil that these countries have. And so they're thinking, well, you know, they're going to get a better life there. But so often, you know, even here in Australia, we have people who come across here, migrants who are brought across and are used in Mm. servitude. Basically slavery. And we have very strict laws against that in Australia. When people get caught doing that kind of thing, they end up serving you know, significant prison sentences and so forth. You don't have that same level of laws over there. You don't have those same level of protections mm. that we have in this country for migrant workers. And so there is a tremendous amount of uh, abuse of the system that is taking place mm. Um Rape is incredibly common right across the entire domestic help industry, and there's a lot of a whole lot of you know societal factors for that. But any country in which a woman is forced to wear a head covering, uh, statistically we know has a uh, sixteen times higher rape count than wow. anywhere else in the world. Um, and so, yeah. So what they've been able to do is just reach out and provide help for migrants. And as a result of that, you've got Hindu people, you've got Buddhist people, you've got Roman Catholic people that are converting across to evangelical Protestantism Mm. uh, simply because that is where they are finding the help. And then once they find the help there, then they make Jesus and that changes their life. And so it's this really weird situation. You know, one of the fastest growing religions in the West is Islam because they're just simply outbreeding us, you know. Mm. They're, they're, they're multiplying at a, a rate about eight children per family. We're looking at around about two uh, thereabouts. Mm. And so we're stagnating or going backwards. And so this is creating then further opportunities for local people to hear about Jesus Christ as well. Mm. So, you know, God has a multitude of ways of reaching out. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. <laughs> we we really missed the intro to that one. We were just having a great conversation about snurfing. We were. It was it was fantastic. I was anyway. Talking about how they glued two snow skis together. Uh-huh. I don't know how much of that conversation you call. We were just we were just sitting back in our chairs reminiscing on the times when snurfing was a thing. Apparently it was a thing for like fifteen years. <laughs> Before it be called, became called snowboarding. That's right. Well, we've come to our guest interview time. Before we get into it, I'll just have a, another quick uh, clue for the quiz. Here we go. Who were the two faithful spies that brought a good report from the promised land? If you know who that is, 0491 You'll go into the draw to win the Daniel and Revelation journal, as well as understanding Daniel and Revelation, either the book or the audio version by Mark Finley. Basically, become your own theologian. It's amazing. 0491 Again, that clue was, who were the two faithful spies that brought a good report from the promised land? Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. John Ashton to talk about creation and science. Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, Mark. Good. Good to be here. 
Now, I understand this morning we're raising a very interesting subject, one that is somewhat controversial uh, in various parts of our world today, and that is the topic of gender, science, and the Bible. Yes, yes. I, I think there's, um, this is a, an issue that is growing, and I, I think a lot of people are, are perhaps um, you know, unprepared, particularly Christians. How do we deal with this issue? Uh, what would be the issue from a, a biblical perspective? Um, and so I'll just give you some, and I, you know, this um, issue was raised, for example, just recently I've got emails from a couple of professors that I'm dealing with, and after their qualifications, they put um, she, her, or they might put um, he, him. In other words, what they're saying is this is the gender that I'm identifying at. And we need to understand what's the background of this and how this um, uh, this whole gender issue is actually uh, very anti-Christian, very anti-God. Yes. Um, the, the background to this is um, perhaps the pioneer of the postmodern gender ideology is Judith Butler. So you can Google her, Judith Butler. Um, she's um, a lady who... Um, uh, earned a PhD from Yale, um, and um, she uh, teaches at UC Berkeley. And essentially, she, she was a Jewish background, um, but as a young person, she was against being assigned a female at birth. And it's interesting that um, she now wants to be referred to as they. So if you look up the Wikipedia article on her, it was very interesting. It talks about they attended... Uh, you know, um, Yale University and so forth. Now, it's, in, back in 1990, she uh, wrote a book. Um, she's an academic. She's a very brilliant lady in terms of, uh, you know, um, mental ability. Uh, in 1990, she put out a book, Gender Trouble, Feminism and the Subversion of Identity, uh, which is essentially the, the foundational work on gender theory, much like um, Origin of the Species is uh, Darwin, you know, foundational by Darwin for evolution. And in essence, Butler was saying that there's no such thing as men and women and that sex is a fantasy we believe in because we're told it is so. Um, she was saying there's no such thing as men and women um, that sex is a fantasy we believe in because mm. it's told, we're told itself. And so essentially what she says is that the illusion of two sexes is created by the words like man and woman, and this must be eliminated in favour of free invention. And so she, she says, for example, you know, the concepts of man and woman, marriage and family, father and mother, sexuality, fertility, and of hexo, heterosexuality, as the norm, must be destroyed. So we can see it's a very, very anti-Christian, anti-God, yes. but what we need to understand is that it's a philosophy. It's just based on thought. It's interesting that um, her partner, uh, Wendy Brown, um, got her PhD, another lady, <laughs> got her PhD from uh, Princeton Uni, and she also teachers at Berkeley. So these are very, very bright women. She's a world authority on queer theory. So queer theory is anything that uh, essentially is non-heterosexual. Um, so uh, it's interesting that they have um, a little boy uh, by the name of Isaac. 
So, um, but anyway, that's some of the background. So, what, when we look at the science now, mm. of course, there, there have been hermaphrodites. Uh, they're people that um, are born with um, uh, both male and female uh, genitalia, although usually uh, one is not fully developed or not de- real developed. They're, they're actually not true hermaphrodites. In other words, they don't have viable male and female gamete cells. They'll only have either one or the other. And often they can, um, by removal of the least developed uh, sexual organ, um, um, sort of go on and with, with um, uh, hormone therapy be uh, actually fertile uh, with the, the dominant one. So they're, they're never fertile in both areas. They either have, they can have both ovaries and testes. Um, and they're very rare, though. Yeah, this is um, extremely you know, Well, very, very rare. What is, uh, in about one in 20,000 births, so there'd be about a 1,000 uh, people in Australia that have either the, um, what they call the XY sire, a swear, spelled S-W-Y-E-R, uh, or the De La Chapelle syndrome. So an XY sire person, is person that according to their chromosomes, they're a male. So they have X and Y chromosomes. But um, part of the Y chromosome is mutated or missing, such as the SRY gene. And this results in the person having female sexual anatomy. Um, and um, so, and in the past, that person would have been, you know, treated as a female. Um, they're infertile. Um, they uh, have, don't have fully uh, developed ovaries, so, um, but, um, you know, with hormonal treatment, they can develop normally. Now, they're usually first um, identified at puberty um, because they, um, there's no hormonal trigger as a result of not fully developed ovaries and no periods and, and that sort of thing. And so normal female development can be assisted with hormone uh, therapy and that's how a person should uh, go on and marry, in in my view. In other words, they have the female uh, sexual anatomy and um, even though they have theoretically, uh, you know, and from a genetic point of view, uh, a whole lot of male genes. But these Um, these are all things that that are you know, people being born with a physical disability. And we get that people are born with a physical disability. That's very different from somebody just deciding in their mind that they are something different from what they are physically born with. That's, that's right. That, that's right. And this, is, and, and this is the confusing argument. So what uh, Butler's views are that, hang on, this comes from your mind, you can choose whatever you want to be. But the reality is that, uh, you know, we're born with, particular uh, reproductive system um, and again consequently the male one is um, the uh, de la chapelle syndrome where genetically the person is a female but they uh, develop the uh, male uh, reproductive uh, organs and those people again are infertile They're generally identified having very small testes and um, but, uh, again, they can have libido and erections and, and, and so forth. Now, it's interesting, the first study 
of the XX male syndrome was or major study where they did a, a meta-analysis of uh, medical reports was actually only published in 2019. So, you know, this is uh, an area, but you've, you've hit, it on, hit on something that this whole aspect of, uh, you know, gender flexibility is just a thought-up thing. It's just been thought up and uh, initially promoted by a very clever person, Judy but- uh, Judith Butler, um, who wrote it up. Uh, she's a professor of philosophy um, and, um, you know, and developed this from a philosophical point of view and that led to it being published uh, initially and has got out there. But philosophy, um, and, philosophy and science are not necessarily the same thing. No, definitely not. They seem to be very different things for me. And so you can, you can have something, you can have a belief, an ideology that comes about as the result of philosophy, but surely it's wrong to call, to then turn around and say, well, this is my philosophy, therefore it's science. Well, that's right. It's not, it's not science. And it's, it's crazy that people are, are getting on board with this. Um, I guess one of the things that they're saying is that, um, oh, well, we can do all this genetic testing and we can see that, you know, you're XXY or, um, you know, XYY and, you know, it's, it's have some, com- uh, you know, complex um, genetic pattern. But the reality is, and particularly I think from a biblical perspective, if we go to Matthew 19, you know, four. Uh, where Jesus said, um, you know, have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason man shall cleave to his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And, of course, the only way that this can be done is through the male and female reproductive organs combining. Now, of course, we have what I would call referred to perversions of this where we have, you know, sodomy and all these other things. and this is essentially what, uh, you know, these people are arguing that, um, you know, there are all these other types of, you know, sexual behaviour uh, should, you know, should be allowed and, and so forth. But we can see for a Christian, you know, this is the clear choice that, you know, we, we are born with, uh, you know, a particular uh, reproductive system and that's the reproductive system that we should use in terms of marriage. Um, and again, though, it's, it's unfortunate for these people that have these syndromes, like the Sawyer person or with a De La Chapelle syndrome, um, they are unfortunately mutations. They are unfortunately, um, and they're infertile. And it's interesting in the De La Chapelle syndrome where the person is, say, XX, a female. But what's happened is during the father, as the father's sperm was being um, synthesised, the um, the SRY gene, which is responsible for you know a lot of the male uh, reproductive system, was transposed to an X chromosome instead to the Y chromosome. So these are clearly mutation errors. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they don't lead to any advancement; they lead to infertility. Um, the there is another thing, um, another yeah, go on. Yeah, if I could just jump in to me, just just sitting here listening to this, it seems that okay, so we've got some mutations happening here, and the mutations only bring damage, and so that's what we've consistently seen in science is that mutations don't produce new information; they take information away, and so when we've got a mutation system happening here, then you know that's anti-evolutionary. The other thing that I find incredibly anti-evolutionary is the philosophy behind this, because for evolution 
to be effective, you've got to have a species that is effective at passing on its own genetic material. And yet if we're going to suddenly change our gender because of our our ideology, there's every likelihood that that will then take us out of the gene pool. We won't be passing on our genetic material. And for an atheist or for an evolutionist, that would seem to be to be very immoral. Well, yes, that's. I mean, in my view, some of these ideas are really crazy, and I think a lot of things that are happening in the transgender area actually renders the person infertile as well. Is my understanding? Yes, that's right. So, um, uh, so you know, these are these are pretty you know serious consequences. I think in the past. Uh, people, um, we know, a, a female uh, that was obviously a female from the reproductive organs uh, would have uh, grown up and lived as a female and vice versa with a male as well. And I think this is what really needs to be encouraged. Um, and we do have uh, hormone therapy, but uh, hormone therapy, again, should be applied um, so that it is coherent with the appropriate reproductive uh, organs. And when those people marry, if they do marry again, um, they should marry uh, someone with the opposite reproductive system, obviously. And uh, but make their partner aware that they are in infertile, sort of thing at that at that time. It's a sad thing, but of course they can go on to lead, uh, you know, reproductive uh, productive lives in terms of God's kingdom, and obviously be rewarded in in God's kingdom. In terms of the world, of course, then people who you know don't believe in God, don't believe in the Bible, you know, they they can make these choices to to follow these ideas. There's one other thing, just perhaps briefly, should uh, mention, and that is that you know back in the 1980s, um, it was uh, discovered that during the development of say a little male baby, there's a testosterone burst as the testes are being developed. And this testosterone, um, actually as it circulates in the body, dissolves some of the connections between the right and left hemisphere that are associated with male, uh, you know, sexual desire and, and so forth. And so with a, a mother, for example, is exposed to extreme stress just at that time or in particular drinks alcohol at that particular time, um, then that can suppress the testosterone production and that can lead to feminised male behaviour. And so that's uh, another thing where the brain has actually been again damaged. So just like we have the fetal alcohol syndrome as well, defined in terms of you know facial distortions and, and this sort of thing, uh, part of the fetal alcohol syndrome can be the feminisation of, of males in terms of their uh, you know, sexual attitude. So this is another interesting, you know, aspect. Um, and again, that was first reported in uh, Science back in, in 1980, but a, a number of papers uh, have been published, for example, in Neurotoxicity and Teratology, um, Teratotology, sorry, um, with regard to that. So there are, are these uh, factors. So I think the Bible has, you know, the clear guidelines there that God made us male and female. And uh, that's how we're uh, to be joined um, together. Mm. And, Doc, yeah, mm. Dr. John Ashton, I'd love to keep continuing this conversation. It is uh, fascinating information that you're bringing out here. 
Unfortunately, we are out of time, but thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.